couple months ago, I did my first house sit in California. A seriously awesome experience. Pretty much stayed in like, not quite a mansion, but a beautiful property in the uh, edges of the Redwood Forest in California. So for those who don't know, Redwood trees are some of like the biggest trees in the world. So I live in this very beautiful area. Uh, right in the forest and all we had to do is take care of their very old dog which required nothing basically and we just had a nice place to stay for about two weeks and uh, they were really nice people too. Want to discover new parts of the world while filling the pet-shaped hole in your heart? House sitting website Trusted House Sitters gives you the chance to live as a local in over 130 countries opening the door to a world of travel possibilities. And with thousands of pets looking for caring sitters like you every day, there's no doubt you'll discover the perfect travel opportunity with the perfect travel companion. Whether you want to wake up in a Spanish beach condo with a cat or a high-rise apartment in New York City with canine company, house sitting allows you to see the world in a new way. And not to worry if cats and dogs aren't your thing. Trusted House Sitters has pets of all shapes and sizes, from alpacas and horses to rabbits and hamsters. Find out more about house sitting and unlock a whole year of unlimited sits with adorable pets by visiting trustedhousesitters.com or download the Trusted House Sitters app on the Apple or Google Play Store. Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Today's guest is Robert O'Crook, who runs a Digital Nomads forum on Facebook, a thriving community of over 10,000 members, almost 11,000, as well as a range of services over at robertocrook.com. Um, Robert, welcome. You're joining us from Canada today, I believe. Yes, I am. Thanks, Adam. Man, after that intro, I feel like, uh, am I on a podcast episode or I might be in a club I'm not quite sure but I'm definitely <laughs> excited <laughs> yeah well look I mean dude you run a, a lot of cool stuff you know there's a lot of groups on Facebook and and I mean this often comes up in almost every episode whether it's freelance writers web designers affiliate marketers Facebook groups that's where it's happening you know like it's where people connect it's where people get services um can sell their services and and also you know network with like-minded people so you run the Digital Nomads Forum is is a group of what it's called, and it's almost eleven thousand members. So, um, you know, and it's it, it's got good engagement. There's a lot of good content going in there, a lot of unique content. So, you know, it caught my eye. It stood out, and I'm happy to have you on the show to share your journey with our listeners. Yes, thanks, Adam. So let's wind it back a little bit. So, you know, why did you decide you wanted to start working online? What where what was that like for you? I was in uh, London, Ontario, Canada, which is kind of a small and, at least in my perspective, a little bit of a boring city. And that's where I kind of grew up most of my life from the age of six till about 22. And uh, I'd been working for a digital marketing firm for uh, a couple of years. And I really was starting to get to this point where it's kind of dreading going to work. And I just knew... Like, this is not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And I wasn't quite connected with what was going on. But ultimately, what I was doing work-wise is just really not aligned with my heart, with my dreams, with 
kind of all these subtler bits that I think are in all of us. And so I kind of uh, stumbled across the digital nomad idea somehow online. Someone mentioned it. I don't remember exactly, but I get obsessed about many things. And this was one that just hooked me. And I spent a long time researching and thinking about it before uh, eventually quitting my job and taking a one-way flight to Bangkok, Thailand. <laughs> and, when you, and when you went over, did you have like, w- w- did you have a service that you knew you were going to offer? Or did you just have some savings and you knew that that was a hub, a hotspot to go to and connect with people in the community? What was the reason for choosing Bangkok? Uh, when you're starting this kind of research about digital nomadism and you know where good spots to go definitely southeast asia is like the largest hub of digital nomad like region of digital nomads in the world so it often gets mentioned in websites online and articles and facebook groups and all these places people are talking about this lifestyle and it just seemed like a, a good starting point and so that's all it was since it was just a one-way flight and there was no strict plans after landing it was just like okay get my butt over there and then uh just just see what happens really what started to give you you know what were the first services you offered where did you go to find some clients like what did that start to look like sure yeah so um i had so in 2016 in the summer i had uh basically quit my job i had a little bit of money saved up just a little bit of a cushion and I relatively quickly started getting some freelance work from business owners and friends and just people I knew in my local community from growing up and working there my whole life. Uh, and I was probably getting paid between about 20 to 25 US an hour. So it wasn't, wasn't the best pay, but uh, it was totally freelance. Like, you no, know, I was my own boss and I'd never done that before. And you know, it was happening. So that was, I was proud of that. I still am proud of that, I would say. And uh, it was enough. That's enough money, definitely, to be able to travel in Southeast Asia, for example. So, so uh, I started getting a little bit of work doing that. And then in September, that's when I went. And then for a few months, I was traveling around Southeast Asia. But then yeah, about uh, somewhere between like the three to six month mark, um, I was in Bali and in, in in Indonesia, and the work from Canada really had started to dry up. I wasn't really getting more work. I wasn't getting, the referrals weren't naturally happening like they used to, and all of a sudden there's this large 12 to 14 hour time difference. So it was very difficult then for me to actually be connecting with people back in Canada and trying to just get leads um, the way I'd used to with a lot of kind of in-person and more, yeah, just basically in-person interaction. And so I had to pivot because really the option was, uh, you know, you're going to run out of money here and you have to go home. And where would I go? Well, at the time it would have, it would have probably been back to my parents' house uh, because I'd run out of money and that did not sound like a attractive prospect to me. Not when you're sitting in Bali, definitely not. No, not when you're sitting in Bali. <laughs> like the freezing cold Canada and your parents are actually like, oh, fuck's sake, what, what yeah. happened there? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. And, uh, you know, luckily, yeah, besides being beautiful, Bali is one of the bigger digital nomad hubs in the world. So I was lucky to be surrounded by all kinds of people who are successful entrepreneurs and remote workers and 
longtime digital nomads. So it's definitely getting exposed to lots of like different paths. Like, uh, you know, what can I pivot to to earn my income? Where can I find clients? And so, of course, I heard about lots of different things that most of us do when we start researching these things. I hear about drop shipping and affiliate marketing and multi-level marketing and all these things that kind of, for me at least, they make me wince a bit. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's this? This seems a little bit crazy. Uh, but one thing that did catch my eye was people talking about remote work platforms like uh, Upwork. That, I thought, was pretty interesting. So I started looking at Upwork, and I, what I found was really interesting was that there was a lot of people saying, oh, no, it's, it's bullshit, it doesn't work, too much competition, uh, you know, you send 20 proposals, you never hear back. But what I thought was cool was that a freelancer's profile on Upwork is, is public, right? So you can see their hourly rate. You can see how much work they've done, how many hours they've built, the reviews they've got. You really have a pretty transparent view of their success. And what I noticed uh, with, for pe- freelancers in my niche, which was digital advertising, digital marketing, was that there was a very large number of them doing very well. It wasn't, in my opinion, it didn't seem like just like the top 5% or something like that. It was quite a significant chunk. And so to me, that was a discrepancy. It's like, why is there, I can see with my own eyes, a lot of people succeeding. And then um, a lot of people saying it doesn't work. Yeah, careful, careful who you take advice from. You know, that's them projecting their own fears. You know, yeah, out there, without, without having tried it with a solid strategy, any real effort, maybe it didn't work for them. Or maybe it's their own limiting beliefs that like, oh, how could I be a writer charging $50 an article when there's all these $5 writers from the Philippines? It's like, well, be better than them. <laughs> do the work. Be consistent. You know, like, no, but truthfully, you know, like genuinely, it's, I mean, you know, I interviewed a fellow there recently and he specializes in um, PPC and he's done over a million in the last five years as a PPC freelancer and over 300,000 on Upwork, you know, like, and, and that's just Upwork. And he was consistently the top rated PPC freelancer on Upwork. And, you know, he got to the point where you, you be selective with your work. You don't need to take everything that Absolutely. comes your way. Pick the work that you know you can do well, that your skills are aligned with. And, and, and that's what helps. So, you know, when you got started on Upwork, what were some tips? Because I know one of the most frustrating things is when you get started, you know, you don't have any reviews, you don't have any hours built. But you need to be careful, I think, at that point, because if you like do, I don't know, 100 hours at $5 an hour and then you put your rate to $50 an hour, the person can see who's hiring you that you had worked for mm-hmm. $5 an hour previous and I mean, I'm guilty of doing this. It's like, mm, I seen you were working for this much the last job. Will you take that? And I think that can be a detriment because you're building your foundation on a publicly visible lower rate. So unpack that for me a little bit. Absolutely. And you, you touched on it, you know, when, when you said you just have to be better. But what does that mean, right? Like if someone's listening to here, okay, to be successful on Upwork or any other remote work platform, I just have to be better. Well, that's going to frustrate someone if that's the only advice they get, right? So let's definitely unpack it. So I, I teach people basically three key principles that you just have to be doing if you want to be successful with a remote work platform like Upwork. So the first one is that you need to craft your profile based on what's already working for other freelancers on the remote work platform you're going to be using, earning the hourly rate you want to be earning, and doing the work in the niche that you're going to be in. 
So there's a process of researching their profiles and then basically taking notes of the trends that you see consistently uh, executed in their profile for people who match those characteristics I just listed. And then also taking note of the unique bits. The unique bits are what I like to call like uh, intelligent or interesting, unique ways of presenting themselves through their profile. So you're going to scan through many people's profiles who match those characteristics. You take notes of those trends. You take notes of the unique bits. And then you're going to use that as your template really to craft an excellent profile with your information. And now it's not about copying their profiles. It's about learning what's already working in the marketplace where you're going to be charging the same rate and offering the same services. Because exact, because those public or their profiles are public, we basically can already see which profiles are working. So we need to look at enough of them to intelligently guide us and then creating ours. So that's the first principle we got to rock. Craft a profile based on what's already working. Exactly. And research-based research as well. So you're actually exactly. looking at what works. Not just like whacking something up and going, wow, why doesn't this work? Cool. So number two? Exactly. Which is, which is what many people do. They jump on the platform. They might even work hard at it. Like they put a lot of hours into setting things up. They just do their best with the, what they think will work. But, um, you know, the world of Upwork remote work platforms is very different than traditional jobs where there's a cover letter and resumes. While there's like many parallels for sure, the culture and just kind of subtleties are quite different and ultimately what caused some people to fail and succeed. So it's not enough just to work hard. You have to work smart on these platforms. And uh, this is definitely an area people get tripped up on. The second thing you got to nail is learning how to set up instant and automated notifications for the ideal jobs. We've all seen this maybe on Facebook uh, for example, somebody posts, Hey, I need help with, uh, this. There'll be like 20, 30 people who jump onto that post and say, Oh, my friend can build this website or I'm a professional website designer. So many people, it's a dog pile. You're never going to win. Even if you have the best profile, best portfolio, best message, uh, your odds suck because there's a flood of noise coming from everyone else who's jumped onto that opportunity. So basically what that means is really, and this is and it's the same thing on Upwork. A client posts a job opportunity and you'll see 10, 20, 30 plus sometimes freelancers apply to the same job. So if you just jump in that dog pile, you're, you're setting yourself up for a failure. So what do you have to do? You have to leapfrog the line. To leapfrog the line, you need to learn how to be first or very close to first. And to do that, that just means you just need to be automatically notified right away when an ideal job gets posted. So... <clears throat> This uh, conversation we're having, Adam, is a little bit short, but for people who want to learn the specific strategy for using Upwork or other remote work platforms, like how do you look at jobs that are the right fit for you? And then how do you set it up so you basically get an email right away when the right job gets posted? They can come into the Digital Nomads Forum Facebook group and they can check out my free remote work masterclass video. It's about 80 minutes long, and it goes a lot more in depth into these principles we're covering uh, right now. Uh, it's a little bit technical, but no problem. It's easy to do. I walk everyone uh, right through it. But at the end of the day, you say, okay, I'm doing web development, and more importantly, I like doing web development for charities. Business is having a positive impact on the planet. Great. We're going to set up a notification so that anytime 
web development jobs where the client says, hey, I'm willing to pay for an expert. This is for a charity. When that job gets posted, boom, you're going to get emailed instantly and you're going to be able then to apply close to first or first. And this is going to drastically increase your chances of getting hired. So that's the second principle we have to cover. Bring it. Yeah, dude, you have me. I'm listening. I mean, you ready for the third? I'm just being a listener here. <laughs> you, you go for it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got this. So third principle you got to crush is then sending a good proposal. So proposal is just the text that you write to a potential client telling them why you're a good fit for the job that you're applying to. So the key to good proposals is two things. We have to make them custom tailored. So that means you need to really read exactly what they need help with and then make sure you tailor your response to say exactly why you can help them with that specific thing. It needs to be obvious to the client that you've really read what they need help with and that you're speaking to that. So custom tailored is the first key. Second key though is time efficient, which seems one, yeah. <laughs> counter the counter really. Yeah. So how do you so how do you send uh, a proposal quickly? Well, again, uh, people can learn or get a free copy of the proposal template um, I give people, which is again in the Digital Nomads Forum in the Remote Work Masterclass video. And what it is is basically a blended approach. So the first sentence or two, first paragraph is custom tailored. That's where you're going to write specifically to what they said they need help with. The rest is a very nicely formatted and templated uh, bit, which just says something like, uh, I'd be happy to jump on a free 30 minute call with you. You can use this link to find a call time that works for both of us. We give them a Calendly link, Calendly intelligently and automatically finds uh, times that line up for you and the person who clicks the link across time zones makes life really easy for finding a time uh, and then just says please let me know if you have any questions in the meantime about how we could support each other thank you robert o'crook so what's the result of using a template like this the result is very small amount of practice you can send a very professional custom tailored proposal in about three to five minutes that's what i teach uh, my clients and people in my community, that's what you should be aiming for, this three to five minute window to send a proposal that's both professional and custom tailored. Now, three to five minutes is key because many people who might be listening or reading articles about this, you'll easily find in your own experience. If you just write your proposals from scratch every time, which is what so many people do, it's what I did when I started, it's what we think is just how you do it, you'll easily spend 10, 15, 20 minutes plus per proposal. But coming back to what you said before, well, what if you have no reviews on the platform, right? Like, what do you do then? Well, it's okay if you have no reviews because if you have a great profile, if you are the first person to apply and you send a rock-solid proposal, then the fact that you have no reviews is okay because you can actually address that in your proposal. While I don't have any reviews yet, I want you to know that I'll be willing to work extra hard to earn my first five-star review. Or... I don't have any reviews on Upwork yet, but I have been working in this industry for this amount of time. You can acknowledge the fact in a couple ways. You don't have reviews. And then uh, if you're sending these proposals and you have no reviews, right? So it just means your odds are decreased. So I find for people who are just starting out, they have no reviews, that you're in this like 5 to 10% uh, window. So they 5 to 10% of the time they send a proposal, 
it might lead to hearing back or getting hired. Now, that, what does that mean? That means if you're really struggling, it's really hard, you got to send 20. You got to send 20 proposals to land that first job if you have no reviews. 20 proposals is definitely, most people, all those naysayers who says it doesn't work, it's too hard, most of them never got to 20 proposals. Most of them gave up after maybe four, five, six, seven proposals where they spent 15 or 20 minutes writing each one because what happens? They spent hours writing these proposals, putting their heart and soul into it, sending them out. They weren't the first person to apply. Their profile was kind of okay. They didn't hear back from anyone. They didn't get hired. They write it off. It doesn't work. They're like, yeah, screw this. This doesn't work. <laughs> right. But the reality is they didn't apply their hard work the right way with leverage. And because of that, they're just they're just kind of close. There's this picture I show people in my uh, remote work masterclass where it's a guy digging a miner. And he's like one inch from reaching the diamonds and he gives up and goes back. And then there's a, above him, there's a guy with a machine and the guy with the machine has already gotten many diamonds. And the machine is just an analogy for uh, the intelligent application of work. So it's like, you know, you have to have some guidance, you have a strategy, you apply that. And so ultimately 20 proposals, if you can do each one in five minutes, five times 20 minutes is what? It's about just under two hours. So you get a rock solid profile down, you're first to apply because of your instant automated notifications. You spend about maybe two hours or so to send your first proposals. You should be able to land your first job, even with no reviews uh, from there. So these two key principles, we just covered like, these are the essentials. If you can just nail this from just this 20 minute podcast we've got going so far, you will have success. And I have a lot of people get success on Upwork or remote work platforms just from this kind of basic overview. Is there more to learn to go deeper, to earn as much as you're capable of with your current experience level to really optimize all these strategies? Absolutely. And that's stuff that I kind of help people out with depending on if they want accountability, they need some support or yeah, they just want to earn their maximum potential based on their current experience level. So those are the three key principles. Long-winded answer, but valuable, I hope. That's that's what I think. <laughs> that's what I know works. <laughs> Everything you're saying there, like that's I was being quiet because you were just it was just pure value, pure knowledge, experience. Like I was just stepping back, you know? Give get the <laughs> mic over. You're giving absolutely Thank you, sir. <laughs> crucial and solid advice to everybody who's listening and you know, I, I agree with, uh, with everything that you're saying, you know, especially around, you know, sending a proposal. At the end of the day, like you're in the game of sales. I know people hate saying, a lot of people don't like this. They don't like the word sales. Oh, I'm not in sales. Like if you're a freelancer, you're in, you're in sales. <laughs> you're selling yourself, right? And do yourself a favor. There's a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. If anybody listening has never read that book, go and do it. But like, you know, it's a lot of what we're talking about here in terms of like, if you're a freelancer and you're not fully booked, then you should be sending those proposals in the times when you're not fully booked. You know, like if you're Absolutely. only like half booked, then that other half of the week should be you sending to try and fill up that other half, you know, and a hundred percent on board with what you're saying. I use a tool called text expander and it saves me on average between five and eight hours a month in typing. That's how many snippets I've saved at this point. So, I mean, I'm almost, I'm almost probably like getting maybe semi 
poor at actually typing because I use so many, <laughs> I use so many snippets. They're like little shortcodes. But like you're saying there for your, your your template, I would just go in and be like, question, question, and boom, the template would fill. You know what I mean? And like that's, you just hit, you, you, you make these little shortcodes. And, you know, even for bringing people on the podcast, like, you know, I have all, all that stuff is text expanders. Um, I run an SEO business, uh, a lot of stuff to do with that. I mean, we do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and a lot of stuff in email. It's all text expanders. You know, so much of it. If I type it once and I think, am I going to use this again? Probably put it in text expander. And that's the same for people doing pitches. Every pitch you send, this is my own personal advice because like literally five to eight hours a month of typing is now being saved from me after two years of compounding. You know, like this is (laughs) compounding it over. Like it's not over. Like when you first do it, you'd be like, what? What what do I even put in here? It's like, well, kind regards. Start with that one. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> next thing be like, your website. Next thing is like, let me know if you have any other questions. Kind regards. And, and you know, next thing you just start building this snowball. And then you're like, you have, you know, yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I'm really into using Text Expander. And I imagine you have a whole lot of other technical solutions to help with regards to being notified when these ideal jobs come on board. Because what you're talking about there. I mean, you're 100%, man. You're absolutely 100%. So, you know, when you scale up on Upwork and, you, you know, you, you took it to the level that you wanted to be at, um, did you decide to start building a little team or did you increase your own rate to go along with it? Because I know that's kind of what happened. Like, let's say, you know, you became fully booked, you know, with, with, your, with your pitching. You know, what next? Was it to focus on helping other people? to fill their book or was it increase your rate? Was it build a little team so you could be the, the head of it? What happened next for you? Sure. So as I mentioned before, like when I had get was getting freelance work from people I knew locally in Canada, I was earning about 20 to 25 US and I was happy with that. But when I really kind of cracked the code on Upwork, uh, within about two months, I had bumped up to 80 us an hour and i was earning as much work as i wanted and i was i was blown away because i was what 25 at the time and that's a I don't know, to me that's a lot of money uh, sure there's other people doing better and other people doing worse but for where i came from and all my life situation i was like this is really awesome what happened was basically alongside of all this traveling i had started the digital nomads forum and now it's been running for over three years and people the number one people uh, question people who are thinking about becoming a digital nomad always have it's always about the income it's like how do i get remote work how do i get clients how do i get paid watch out so <clears throat> they're always asking about this so i started sprinkling in always working for me and i noticed oh crap this is working for other people uh, when I applied everything I, I just shared with you, my girlfriend at the time also did. She had similar results. So a little bit over time, I really started noticing, okay, uh, there's something here. There's a, we got like the smart way to kind of go about it that works across different niches. And this is a big problem for people. I can see that in my group. People need help with this. So eventually, I developed a course, which is called the Remote Work Platform mastery course and then i do a one-on-one coaching program which is six weeks long but the most awesome thing i think that i did with all this stuff is started something called the mindful nomads retreat so we started doing these uh, week-long in-person retreats where people would uh, who wanted to become digital nomads would come 
they would learn the principles we just talked about. They practically actually do some of the work in terms of setting up their profile and uh, setting up notifications and all like actually get hands-on experience together. Done a, a done with you scenario, not not like a here's a course, go do it. It's like yeah, exactly. Come here and fucking we'll get it done by the end of that week. <laughs> and let's you get know. it done. And we combine that basically with the other things I had experienced, learned about and practiced in my travels that really uh, contributed to a better quality of life. So for me, that was uh, yoga, meditation, and a plant-based diet. So for a week long, people are coming and we're getting up early together. We're practicing yoga in beautiful place. We're eating delicious, healthy food. And then we're putting the work in to set this stuff up. We're really learning these kind of foundational skills that give us a lot of flexibility and freedom in our day-to-day life that ultimately is what I think digital nomadism is about. It's about having choice and freedom in your life, in your day-to-day life. And so that's what the Mindful Nomads retreat uh, was about. And so between coaching, selling this course, supporting my community, running these retreats, it kind of all naturally just evolved. I had no idea, really, this was what I'd end up doing. It just was uh, something people were asking for. They needed help with this. I was running the community, and I had figured it out well for myself, and it just kind of uh, naturally evolved over the last couple of years. Through your persist- persistent action and by taking action and by creating this community like you said people came to you you know like they were looking for you to guidance to you for help you'd already gained the experience what they wanted to do and you know out of that evolved these other opportunities and you know for anyone listening these um mindfulnomadretreats.com uh you know the, in 2018 it was in guatemala in 2019 it was in bali I don't see anything announced for 2020 yet. Do we have any ideas on what's <laughs> happening there? Just like people have been bugging the director of Star Wars for info about the <laughs> Star Wars movie, he's been he's been keeping a keeping a tight lip. And while I'm not sure the Mindful Nomads retreat has reached the level of Star Wars franchise, uh, I'm also keeping a tight lip for now. We're definitely talking. Uh, within our team and figuring out our next date something is in the works uh, but we haven't finalized our location or date yet but i'm sure it'll got a email list people can join on the website if they want to stay updated that's it or the facebook group like we were saying facebook groups Um, even better people can people can find out there as well so um that's awesome and look just coming towards the end of the episode i just like to ask something i do like to ask people is you know did you have any mentors or take any courses that helped you along your way or is it this just a lot of you know do it yourself trial and error no i definitely got support i invested quite a bit of money actually into support so in the last year and a half or two years or so uh i got connected with a guy called Jeff Walker and Jeff Walker is kind of like the grandfather of internet marketing launches. So what's a launch? A launch is just basically I've got my online course or I've got this thing I'm trying to sell online. How do I actually uh, create it, position it in the right way and then have people uh, pay for it? So I went through Jeff Walker's proc launch formula uh, online course to kind of develop my first course and kind of figure out how to do the 
coaching. And then I later did his uh, group coaching program, uh, the launch club and continued to kind of refine how to, yeah, create this course, offer coaching, run the retreats. And ultimately basically how do I support myself financially helping other people and basically doing something I really am passionate about. That's, that's the key with launching. It's not just about, it's not about making money. Making money is important. We want to put food on the table. I absolutely understand that. But what's more important is supporting yourself by supporting others. That's the key. That's a key thing we're teaching at the Mindful Nomads Retreat is that if you want to feel fulfilled, we always hear this. It's not, you can be rich and you can be unhappy. Absolutely. We have to learn how to be in service to others. When you put food on the table by helping other people out, that's a awesome principle for leading a happier life. Absolutely. And, and for being happier in, in general, you know, <laughs> we're social yep, creatures, yep. us humans. <laughs> so, yes, we are. Amazing. Look, Especially the digital nomads, pretty social bunch. <laughs> do you know what? Genuinely, yes, absolutely. Like, like you're saying, you know, anywhere you go over, there's co-working spaces, communities, events typically people are friendly and, and they all get on and, and they're, they're interested in helping each other. And because, I mean, to be fair, a lot of it is like working on your own. You know what I mean? Like in, in, in your house or in your bedroom or in cafes. And well, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but like, you know, for a lot of people, it can be if you're not working out of co-working spaces, you know, you, you can be working on your own for long periods of time. So it is good to have these in-person um, get togethers and, and, you know, join people and, and enjoy the community especially when you are out traveling and getting to co-working spaces so um robert look it's been an absolute pleasure so um i think it's fairly obvious at this point where people can find you <laughs> online yeah. so digital nomads <laughs> forum um thank you for joining so uh yeah and, and any final words for our listeners i don't think i have anything i guess what i'll say is if you are stuck and you need help then ask for help specifically in a community, whether it's mine or another one, as Adam just said, yes, the digital nomads, like international community, very friendly of people, very happy to help others. You just have to learn how to ask. If you ask how to, how do I earn money remotely? And you're going to get shitty answers. You're going to get affiliate marketing. You're going to get links to drop shipping. If you ask specifically, Hey, you know, this is where I'm from. This is my background. I'm not quite sure what my next first step would be to figuring out how to earn remote income. Then someone might be able to give you a much more bite-sized, manageable, specific step for you to take. And that's going to make your journey a lot less overwhelming. So learn to ask specifically about what you need help with next. Don't worry about the big picture. One step at a time. Ask in communities where people are already successful with what you're trying to do. That's a great place to get started if you're trying to figure out all of this stuff. Solid, man. Just dropping gold all day. Thank you for joining us and thanks for all the listeners for tuning in. Take care, <laughs> <Apricon>. everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.